Good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you for tuning in and worship along with us as we begin this morning with 300. We'll sing the verse, first and third verse. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor, give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. Dear Lord, we're thankful to be gathered here together today in your name, whether we're here on the orange carpet or whether you're at home. Father, we know that you know where we are, where our hearts are, what our capabilities are. Father, we know that uh, you can be with us through everything. Father, in an ever-changing world, not knowing what we can trust, what we can't, when things never change, we can always trust you. Father, we're thankful for your love and for your mercy. Thankful for the plan that from before the beginning was to send your son on our behalf. Father, the sin in our life, we chose our own way and we wandered away from you. We know that you always loved us and you're there for us. Father, we're thankful that we can be called your children. Part of today's lesson with Mike talks about us being your children. And we acknowledge that. We ask you to help to shape our hearts, to soften our hearts, to uh, see where that victory message needs to go. Not everybody's heard it. Not everybody believes it. Father, we always ask for opportunities to, to share your love because it means so much to each one of us. We know it can mean so much to many more too. Father, we ask for that hand, the healing hand on this great country. Uh, it seems there's always a separation. It's us and them, them and us, no matter what it is. Different ways, different strokes for different folks, I guess, sometimes. But it's a lot of times it's um, just separation. Father, we ask that you can heal that, that we can work together. Father, we ask for your healing hand from the Rona. We ask that you, uh, we're thankful for the good news about vaccines. Uh, 
We know it's going to take a little while to get those out, but Father, we're thankful to hear that. Thankful that you've put people in the right place, with the right heart, right mind, the studies they've done and such to put them in place to combat this pandemic. Father, we ask for, um, ask for your healing hand on many who are sick, whether it affects of age or it affects of disease. Father, we ask for your blessings on Mitzi. Um, she's done with the chemo for now. She's uh, looking forward to the surgery and moving on through the progression. Father, we ask that you strengthen her. We know she's had a lot of weight loss and treatments are tough, tough, tough. Father, we ask that you be with her and strengthen her. Please be with uh, Alvin Ormiston and Maxine. Maxine continues to decline. She's in uh, Royal Oaks. Father, we ask that you be with, with her and be with Alvin. We, uh, we know that how much it hurts, how much it affects on a heart. Father, be with the Jamesons and the loss of their sister-in-law. Be with Ann Burton this week as she prepares for surgery. Continue to be with William. Continue to heal him. We're thankful that he's always working for you and working for the church, which he loves so much. But, Father, we know he has to balance out with what he can do. We ask that you continue to heal him. Father, we ask for your many blessings. We ask for your forgiveness and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. We're going to focus now on that sacrifice that was made on our behalf as we sing 332, we'll sing the first and fourth verse. took advantage of the the Passover Passover lamb that was it's humming doesn't know the words um, Passover lamb that was was given for the the uh, Israelites that were in Egypt and he took advantage of that 
on the night before, he was going to go to the cross to say, take it, this is my body, take it, this is my blood. And I don't think they got the connection at all. They had no clue what was going to happen the next day. The trials he would go through, <laughs> and that he was going to be dead before the sun went down the next day. But we have a unique perspective that we can look back to say, we understand what he did. We understand how it ties together with the sacrificial lamb that was for the Israelites, that he was the sacrificial lamb of God for all of us. And we don't have very many things that we remember that kind of a sacrifice for, but we do have this with the fruit of the vine and the bread that represents his body and represents his blood, to remember what he did and the love that he had for Father and the love that he had for us. If you join me. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the, the sacrifice you were willing to come and endure to be here with us, to allow yourself to be killed, Father, so that we could be saved. Be with us that as we take this bread, Father, that we remember that you did come here. You did live a perfect life. You were the Lamb of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And Father, remember it also that, that your body that was given, but the blood sacrifice that's always been required to give us an idea of just what was going to happen when you finally came, that you gave your blood freely, Father, that you gave it to justify us in your Father's eyes. Help us to remember the, the horrible sacrifice you had to go through, but now that you're at the right hand of God, and you're the head of the kingdom, Father. In Christ we pray. Amen. And before we hear another lesson from God's Word, let us stand as we sing 71 as the deer. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul
So I'm going to have you reading 1 John 1, 2 through 4. The one who gives life appeared. We saw it happen and we are witness to what we have seen. Now we are telling you about this eternal life that was with the Father and appeared to us. We are telling you what we have seen and heard so that you may share in this life with us. And we share in it with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing to tell you these things because this tr makes us truly happy. Oh, it looks a lot, fill, it filled up since I sat down. I think that's a good thing. Well, we're beginning a new series today. We're going to look at the book of 1 John. We've just finished up a series on love from 1 Corinthians 13. And John is known as the apostle of love. And his letters come out and, and look at it in a unique way. So we're going to have the series and we're going to begin it with Miss Fisher. Miss Fisher is a primary, an elementary school teacher. And she's home recovering from sickness and surgery. And she hears the little platelet covering the mail slot on the door bang, and her husband comes in going through the mail as usual. And he finds one of the letters there is actually a get well card from her second grade class. Inside, when she opened it up, it said, Dear Miss Fisher, your class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. Sometimes letters are important. Some letters are from people that we haven't seen for a while and we just want to know how they're doing. And those are important kind of letters. When Sue and I were in college and we were dating, we wrote each other back and forth. She did better at it than I did. And they're the kind of letters that or from the government asking you about this or that or to let you know you're going to be audited. Then there's some letters that really don't matter much. They're not as important as the other things. They're the kind of things that say uh, you ought to come in and buy our washing machine or those kind of advertisements. But when John writes, he writes to bring home the fact that this is important. He starts off with these words, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us for our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write these to make our joy complete. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come this morning asking you to open our eyes and hearts that we can see what John was driving at and that we can understand that we understand how vital this lesson is. And so we ask you to, to help us open our minds to what John wrote and to be your people. I ask you to help me get out of the way so that people can clearly see you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, did you notice anything a little strange? There is a lack of the opening of letters in this day. If you read most of the letters of the New Testament, you're going to get things like I, Paul, or you're going to get a, a letter that says, I'm Peter, but you're not going to, this doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have a closing either. There usually is this big build up towards the conclusion, but not this letter. This letter is called a circular letter. And that's because it wasn't meant to stay with one congregation. He would send it to one congregation, they would read it to their congregation, and then they would pass it on to church two. Church two would read it to their congregation, and after their congregation heard it, they'd pass it to church three, and so on and so forth until everybody in the area that was being affected by what the writer thought was important had his words on it. There's one other book in the New Testament that is a circular letter, and that is the book of Hebrews. When you open Hebrews, there's nobody that sits there and says, I wrote it, and the conclusion just comes to a conclusion. It doesn't give the all buildup that everything else does. So if that's the case, that we don't really have who wrote it and who didn't write it, how do we say this is John's work? Well, we do that by comparing the way they wrote. Each writer has a distinctive style. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, that which from the beginning... Now, that word beginning is written in a case in the Greek, which means a beginning which had no beginning. You say, is there any other time that's it? Yeah, there is another time, and guess who the writer is? John. He also writes, in a beginning which had no beginning. 
there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was, was God, and He was with God in the beginning. So you have the writer saying the same thing in almost the same words in two different places. Now that gives us a hint. This definitely, probably at least, comes from John. But notice the, the next little bit he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. And then you go over to chapter 1, verse 14 in the book of John. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The meaning's the same. We've seen him. We know. We've touched him. We felt him. We talked to him. We heard him. He was, he was like us. So both 1 John and the Gospel of John are saying the same thing almost in the same words. But that's not the only thing that we can go to. When somebody wrote a circular letter, the church that received it had somebody that knew who wrote it. So the guy would stand up, he would read it to his people because during this day, being able to read was a luxury. He would read it, he would pass it on, and then he'd write about it. And when he would write about it, he would identify who he thought it was from. And with this letter particularly, we have a lot of people who wrote about it in his day. So because the writing is so similar, and the people who received it wrote about it and said it was from John, we can pretty well say this is a letter from John. But why was the, when was the letter written? Domitian is known for his anti-Christian views. He happens to be the guy in charge of the Roman Empire at the time, which made him a very powerful man. It was his wish to kill John, but they were afraid of what would happen if they did that, so they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. And while he was at the Isle of Patmos, he wrote one of those letters that all of us have probably read at least, and that's the book of Revelation. But he also wrote 1 John while he was there. So he writes 1 John while he's on the Isle of Patmos and things are going good. But why is he writing? There's a group that has seceded from the doctrine of Jesus. And they're teaching something that's totally foreign to what Jesus taught. We've come to know him and if we obey his commandments, but the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth's not in him. Or this, 
Dear children, now's the last hour, as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they really didn't belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. These people at one time were considered faithful Christians. But they didn't stay faithful. They came up with a different doctrine. If we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what he pleases. And this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And to love one another as he's commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he has given us. They have come out and they have written their own gospels. It's the fourth century AD. And they write 11 different gospels. And they attribute it to some of the disciples. There is a Gospel of Thomas. I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a Gospel of Thomas written by this group. There's a Gospel of Mary. There's a Gospel of Judas. In fact, there are 11 different books written by these people in the 4th century. And none of them that they attributed to were close to being alive 300 years later than the gospel was there. So what they taught was, we can be without sin. Now, I've only known one man who claimed that he was without sin. He did not sin. He never sinned that he had been perfect from the birth on, and he was an older gentleman, and I just sort of writ, wrote it off as maybe just a little bit not in touch with reality. Because everybody sins. Even Christians sin. But there's a difference in the two. The guy who thinks he's perfect doesn't come to Christ for anything. But Christians know they sin and they go to Christ and Christ is faithful to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, we have a way of getting our sins 
cleansed. But the guy who claims he can do it all by himself, he can't. Who is the liar? The man that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So when they look at Jesus, they decided he really wasn't who he said he was. Oh, it was okay, but he wasn't the Son of God. The word for antichrist literally means those against Christ. So their teaching was against Christ. They denied that he was the Son of God, and by doing so, he called his father illegitimate. No one born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He can't go on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know the children of, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Nor anyone who does not love his brother. You see, there are two types of people. Those who claim to be Christians, but they don't try to live it. They just plow right on and do whatever they want to do and how they ever want to do it. And John says, you can be sure of this, when you're not trying to live by God, God's way and Jesus' way, that you're really not a child of his. Because if you are a child of his, you try to do what's right. Do we still sin? Yes. Do we still do things that are wrong? Uh-huh. Even if we don't want to, we still mess up. But we're trying. And that makes the difference between the two groups. Now, if you want to know more about the, the two groups, Wednesday night, I'm going to do the whole thing on the other group. So I'm not going to leave you out. That brings us to one of those points that's in, that is John's goal of this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can know we have eternal life. Ray Fullenweiler was uh, a brother in Christ, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he used to do surveys of congregations. He would look at numbers and ask questions, and one of the questions that he asked over 60 congregations, 
and their membership was, do you know you're going to heaven? Less than 5% said they knew they were going to heaven. The most common answer that he received was, I sure hope so. And yet, John says, if you get this right, if you get on God's side, if you start following him, you will know. The doubts go away. You will know that you're going to be with the Lord. Well, is it that we're good enough that we can say we know because we no. We're not good enough. And that's why God sent Jesus. You see, my sins were paid for on his cross. He died for me so that he could put my sins on, on him. And when he died to justify the world, I was in that. So I can know. Because Jesus died for me. His suffering was suffering I deserved. His death was a death I deserved. But instead, it's a death that justifies. If you've never repented of your sins, which is a fancy way of saying, I've been doing my things my way, now I want to try God's way. And then are baptized. We can do that this morning. And it says when you repent and try to live God's way, and you're baptized, you come out a new creation. there's a way that we can help you get there, won't you come? But together we stand and why we sing. I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to
morning again. Thank you, Mike. Uh, if you didn't pick a bulletin up, please pick one of those up. There's a lot of information in there. I'm going to touch on some of the items that are in there. Uh, Brian Tagto fractured his hip. Um, if you're not aware, Brian has several psychological, psychological challenges he's had uh, over his life, and part of it is he's not eating the quantity or the kinds of food that he needs to, and it's taking a toll on his body, so keep him and Mickey and Sandy in your prayers. Maxine Ormondson continues to decline. She's in Royal Oak. Alvin's asked for prayers on her behalf, so keep the Ormondsons in your mind. Uh, Dale, Dale and Jerry Jamison's sister-in-law passed away. Steve's family, keep them in your prayers. Steve Sharp. Um, his dad has shingles, and his sister Angel has COVID-19, so keep him in your prayers. Mitzi Robinson's um, second stage of chemo treatments has stopped um, at 10. They're not going to go to 12. Remember, the first stage was some really pernicious chemo treatments. This is less pernicious, but it's still very devastating. She's lost over 40 pounds, and so they've stopped those particular treatments. The next stage is going to be surgery to remove the tissue, and then the last stage, don't know how many years it'll be after that usually, but the last stage will be then reconstruction. And to that end, my daughter, Elizabeth, she's recovering from her reconstruction surgery quite well. She's doing well, so thanks for keeping your prayers as well. Let us stand as we sing the last song, Gloryland Way, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. I'm in the way of bright shining way. I'm in